Well, good morning. I often uh, have shared with you the, the, the deep love that I have for my mother and father. They are, are significant uh, uh, hero figures in my life, not just my mom and dad, but I have a great love for them. And, um, but I, I can't know things about them unless they reveal it to me. And I recall in, in my own heart times when my mom and my dad have revealed things to me and how much it has really elicited from me a great appreciation for them. I remember distinctly the conversation that I had with my mom and my dad. I was asking questions one particular night, and, and one of the questions that came from my heart was, tell us, my family was together, tell us about the sacrifices that you have made that we don't know about. And after some significant time of, I think, some holy silence and reflection, my, my dad talked about graduating from LSU in the late 50s with an engineering degree, and the economy in the late 50s was really ramping up on the oil field, and my dad was being recruited by uh, oil companies as an engineer. The salaries that were being offered to my dad were three times as much as the salary that he actually chose when he worked for the waterworks in Homa in Terrebonne Parish. My dad talked about sacrificing salary because he didn't want to be away from his kids. He went on to talk about how, how financially strapped we were growing up. I mean, I knew that we weren't rich, but I didn't realize how tight the belt was. And my dad talked a lot about his, his worry that kept him up night after night after night just about the bills. Our, our family kept expanding. We wound up having six kids, and for a long time we were a single-income family. And, and my dad chose to forego a salary that would have really provided a lot more for our family just so that he could be present to us. I remember my mom talking about her her desires to have her own professional career, but my mom made a choice to not work outside the home. My mom started to babysit for kids when I was born, and uh, for a good 30 years, my mom, every day, was babysitting little kids. She didn't have the language for it, but what I was able to piece together with my mom was her sacrificing all the social interaction and the beautiful friendships that she could have had with adults. But every day my mom was surrounded by um, Sesame Street and, um, and kids all day long. And, and she never actualized her, her dreams of her professional life. And all that goes with that in, in social life because she just wanted to be present to her family. I, I would never have known that. But my mom and dad chose to reveal that to me. You know, as a kid, I just expected the lights to come on. I expected dinner to be ready. I, I took my mom and dad for granted, just like I think every kid does. But it was when my mom and dad revealed things to me that I did not know. It, it just... it. it it drew out of me like a great love for them and even more. 
We can all get so familiar that we just forget who these people are. And we can get so familiar that we forget. We forget just how awesome He is. So the church, every Lent, gives us an opportunity where what happens in the readings is Jesus is revealing who He is. Because if, if we don't take advantage of this, you know, we, we, we use the word Jesus or God or Lord all the time. We, I think it's just so easy to get so comfortable with Him that we forget the beauty of who He is. And that's what's happening in the Gospel today. What happens in the Transfiguration is a lot, but it's one of those Gospels that we kind of think it's important. It's during Lent, so it's got to be important. But it doesn't really touch the fabric of our everyday life, and so it's easy for us just to kind of pass over it. So to appreciate the Transfiguration, we want to talk about where He is, who He's with, and what is happening. Three things today that will help us appreciate the transfiguration. Where is it happening? Who is there? And what is happening? So let's talk about the first. Where are they? They're on a mountain. This is significant. Because as Peter, James, and John are there, in the imagination of a first century Jewish disciple of Jesus, they would have automatically known that the mountain was where God revealed himself. These mountaintops. When, when, when God reveals Himself to Moses in the burning bush, it's on top of a mountain. When God gives him the Ten Commandments, it's on top of a mountain. When God reveals Himself to Elijah, it's on top of a mountain. When they were walking through the desert and get the, God was revealing where He was, the cloud descended on top of a mountain. Before Jesus picked 12 apostles, he went off to pray and he went on top of a mountain. The mountain is it's, it's, it's a physical place in the Bible where God is revealing himself over and over and over and over and over. And so as Peter, James, and John are going up on top of a mountain, they know that it's not just a place where they're going to go and pray they would have been expecting something significant to happen. A theophany, God revealing himself. The mountain is revealing that God is about to reveal himself to them. Number two, who is there? Where not only are Moses and Elijah are there, but so are James and John with Peter. Let's first talk about Peter, James, and John. Then we'll talk about Moses and Elijah. When Moses went to the top of Mount Sinai, he brought with him Aaron, who was the high priest, and his two sons, Nahab and Abihu. Nahab and Abihu were brothers. Aaron was the high priest. And these three men accompanied Moses to the top of the mountain. Again, Aaron was the leader of the priests, and he had with him two brothers. Jesus goes to the top of the mountain with who? Peter, who is the leader of the apostles, just like Aaron was the leader of the priests. 
Peter is the leader of the apostles, and they take with him two brothers, James and John. So as they're going up the mountain, you can almost imagine the three of them asking themselves, why are the three of us going? Why aren't the other nine with us? Why isn't it all twelve? Why is it just us three? Sometimes it's just Peter, but the three of us, why are the three of us? They're walking up the mountain, and there's this imagery that begins to unfold as Jesus as the new Moses with the new Aaron, right? Peter, and these two brothers. So they know that something's going to happen. And what happens is significant. There are Moses and Elijah. So here's the scene, right? So Jesus is there. He has Moses on one side of him. Elijah's on the other side of him. Peter, James, and John are over here. And they're watching this thing happen. Why are Moses and Elijah there? Well, of course, it's the law and the prophets. But in the Old Testament, there were two people who were on top of a mountain who wanted to see the face of God. Moses wanted to see the face of God. And God said to Moses, you can't see my face, because if you see my face, you see my glory, you're going to die. So it says in the Old Testament that Moses saw the backside of God pass him by. Elijah went up the mountain, and he wanted to see the face of God. And God says, you can't see my face, or you're going to die. And so he's, he, that's the story of like God's not in the the, the wind, God's not in the rain. God came in a still small voice. There were two people in the Old Testament who wanted to see the face of God, but couldn't. And all of a sudden, Jesus on top of this mountain, where things are revealed, with the leader of the priest and two brothers, are witnessing these two men of the Old Testament who always long to see the face of God, now with Jesus. And it says what happened. His face was completely revealed. Uh, the, the Greek word there is it's almost like a metamorphosis, transfigured. His face it's automatically they see the glory of God revealed in the face of Jesus. And as they see the face of Jesus completely transformed, <gasps> Moses is now seeing the face of God. And Elijah is seeing the face of God. And the apostles are witnessing all of this. And they are seeing the face of God. And they, and they all just went to their knees and they bowed before the Lord and and great awe and fear. And Peter says, it's, it's, aw it's awesome that we are here. It's not just because Moses is there and Elijah is there and this cool thing is happening with Jesus. They are actually seeing God reveal himself in all his glory. And they want to stay there. But notice, Jesus, on top of a mountain, Revealing himself says, no, we're not staying here. Because there's going to be another mountain. On top of that mountain, I need to reveal the fullness of who I am. Jesus says, let's go down the mountain. Because there's going to be another mountain. 
that if you have the courage and the eyes to see what I am revealing, you will come to see the fullness of who God is. Right here. Right here. And every once in a while, instead of taking things for granted and getting so familiar with it, the person, like my parents, they choose to reveal a little bit more who they are so that we come to appreciate the reality of what is. All of Lent is pointing to Holy Week. Last week started the process of pointing us to Holy Week. Today is pointing us to Holy Week. Next week, as Jesus is, is healing, it's bringing us to Holy Week. The Samaritan woman in week four is bringing us to Holy Week. The raising of Lazarus in week five is bringing us to Holy Week. All of the readings in Lent are pointing to Holy Week. Where God is revealing who He is. He will reveal Himself in the Last Supper so that we might always see Him in the Eucharist. He is revealing Himself on the cross so that we might know His absolute love for us. And He is revealing Himself in the resurrection so that we might know the fullness of freedom. So what's, what's one thing that we can all do? What's one thing that we might start doing to really get ready for Holy Week? How do you feel about the cross? There's some people when they look at the cross, it's all suffering. Some people when they look at the cross, it's almost like Jesus was in the wrong place at the wrong time and we nailed him to the cross. How do you feel about the cross? Because this is where he's revealing the fullness of his love. When was the last time you prayed the stations of the cross? We, we passed them by when you were walking in the church. and We get so familiar, they just become a part of the artwork around here. And but those stations are sacred and awesome. And so I'm going to encourage you this Lent to either at least once a week, maybe even a couple times a week, just meditate on the stations of the cross. We have a resource at the information desk if you're interested in picking up one of those that you can take that home with you. Uh, they're five bucks. You can take it if you've got that. If not, you can drop the money there. It's not really important about the money. It's just it's a resource that's to help you pray for the cross. Like, can we see hear what he is revealing to us because if we are able to pray our way through lent appreciating the cross then on the day on good friday when we actually get to kiss it kiss it we know who we're kissing and what we're kissing and why we're kissing it. 
Let's be open for the rest of Lent to what God's revealing to us. And let's prepare for Holy Week now by perhaps praying the Stations of the Cross more so we can appreciate the truth and the person of Jesus Christ. Amen?